This week, Chavzayin Cheshvan is the yard site of Reb Menachem Kasher, one of the great Torah luminaries of the last generation. Rav Kasher was born in Chutzlaretz, lived in a world of Hasidus and Torah. He was brought up, perhaps in a fashion that was typical of a Hasidische family, to learn in yeshiva, very traditional style of a Polisher Tamit Chacham. And he grew up in that environment, and we know of his activities as a young man already embarking upon a literary career. He began a Torah journal in the early part of the 20th century, about 1918 or so, at at a time when such endeavors were not as common as they are today. Today, almost every yeshiva, almost every organization has their own Torah journal. Rav Kasher published his journal, a specific type of Torah yeshivasha learning, at a very young age. He showed his literary interests at that, already at that early time. When Rav Kasher was in Eretz Yisrael, he began a literary style, perhaps a literary life, that seems to me very unusual for his upbringing, for the type of chassid that he was and continued to be his entire life. One of the most important works that he published was a sefer of his own called Hatkufa Hagadola, The Great Period. This is definitely a pro-Zionist statement discussing the theological implications of the Holocaust and the theological meaning of the establishment of the State of Israel. That phrase that became an issue among different people, we say in the Tfilah Shlom Hamdina, in that prayer for Eretz Israel that is made in many communities on Shabbos, the words Reshitz Michad Gulatenu, the beginning of the growth of the redemption. And the phrase Atchalta de Gula, the beginning of redemption, has become quite a bone of contention among different people. Rav Kasher himself used those phrases and saw the historical implications of moving to Eretz Israel, almost being forced to move to Eretz Israel, as part of the Gula process. Included in that Sefer, HaTukufa HaGadola, was a treatise of Talmidim of the Gaon called Kol Hator, the voice of the nightingale. And of course the allusion is to Shir Hashirim, Kol Hator Nishma we hear this nightingale, we hear this message coming to us and we have to interpret the message. This pro-Zionist work, Kol Hator, and Atkufag Dola, became almost required reading for religious Zionists when the book was published, and it remains an important text until this very day. It seemed to me very unusual that a lit that a Polish Rosh Hashiva would in would write such a work, would disseminate such a work, and would look at this as not a contradiction to his world of Hasidus. 
In fact, Rav Kasha before had been the first founding Rosh Yeshiva of the Ger Yeshiva. The Ger Yeshiva, of course, the classic style of Ger learning of Ger Hasidus, was founded by Rav the yeshiva was founded by Rav Kasher and he was the first Rosh Yeshiva. That person who was the founder of the yeshiva, the Rosh Yeshiva, publishes a Zionistic treatise. Seems to be very strange. Rav Kasher also was so involved with this world, dealt with issues that are relevant to the modern world, but he dealt with halakhic issues which were so complex and so difficult that very few people in the world could undertake to challenge him or to learn with him or to even begin to understand the issues involved. I'd like to refer specifically to two issues and a third interesting topic that he chose. He was fascinated by the fact that the astronauts were landing on the moon. And he wrote a little book perhaps not as well known as his other works, as Adam Malayareach Lor Halacha. The man on the moon, according to Jewish law. All the halachic issues raised by space travel were dealt with in this book. Now, on one hand, it's a theoretical topic. On one hand, it's an issue that people had not dealt with. But nevertheless, one could say that with a little bit of effort, uh, the average Torah scholar could deal with such an issue. But Rav Kasher also dealt with the issue of the international dateline. As is well known, after the Second World War, many of the Mir Yeshiva and other Yeshivas were exiled and came to certain communities where they established a Yeshiva, established a community. When they went to the Far East, the issue was raised as to which day is Shabbos, perhaps even more important, which day was Yom Kippur, and which day should you fast, and which day the ninth of Tisha would actually be a mitzvah to eat, the tenth would be, of course, an Easter, a big mitzvah to fast, an Easter to eat, a mitzvah to fast, which day is Yom Kippur? And this engendered a great machlokas between different people. The, some of the people that come to mind that dealt with this issue were, of course, the Chazonish, the Briskerav, who debated the issue. Rav Herzog had, took a stand. One of the great geniuses of America, a very unusual person named Chaim Simmerman, was a student at Rav Moshe Salavechik at one time and later became the Rosh Hashiva of Chicago. He had a world reputation as being a genius in the world of Torah. He wrote a book called Agan Hasar, a thick volume about this question about the international dateline. And he mentioned to me at one time, I had the privilege of knowing this Rabbi Zimmerman, at one time he mentioned to me that there were only four or five people in the entire world that could even read his book, that could even understand his book. In order to deal with this issue of the international dateline, one had to have an awareness of astronomy, of astrology, uh, perhaps not of astrology, astronomy, but certainly the, uh, he had to know the Rambam and Echaz Kiddush HaChodesh with the various diagrams, with the various explanations. He had to know this very well and understand all the halachic implications of the international dateline. Very few people dealt with such an issue. When Rabbi Zimmerman mentioned to me four or five people could understand this book, I naturally assumed that Rav Kasher was one of them. Rav Kasher himself dealt with this issue and wrote a treatise about the international dateline. This treatise is published in one of his volumes of responsa called Divrei Menachem, 
where he de- deals with this issue in his fashion. Another issue that was very controversial, and Rav Kasher decided to take the bull by the horns, as it were, and deal with this issue, was the issue of the Eruv in Manhattan. It's well known that Manhattan is, on one hand, an island. On the other hand, it certainly has a Rishas Havabim. And there are other issues that are, make the issue of, of the Eruv in Manhattan quite complicated. Rav Moshe has, of course, a famous tshuva. Other people have tshuva about the issue. But to write a, a, a treatise, to write a kuntris about this issue is something that in that you have to know Eruvin obviously very well. You also have to know the climate, the technical arrangements of what goes on in a particular city, and you have to deal with those issues. Rav Kasher published a kuntris on the, on the Eruv in Manhattan, and very few people could really learn that kuntris and know the issues well enough to debate him on an intellectual basis and not purely on an emotional basis whether we want the Eruv or we, we like the idea of an Eruv. Another person who dealt with that Eruv at the same time was a great Rav in Toronto named Rav Price. Rav Price wrote a... He was a real publisher, Rav Price. So he called the, the, his, his, his work a kindress. Kindress alatik on Eruv in... in a, a, a pamphlet about writing, about erecting an Eruv in cities. And as Rabbi Price, of course, is the founder, the one who established the Eruv in Toronto. The basis for the Eruv in Manhattan was solidly given by Rav Kasher. Some people might disagree, some people might agree, but he was the one who actually dealt with this issue and wrote a major book about it. These areas, of course, are areas that interested Rav Kasher, but something else in his mind, in his literary world, captured his imagination, and in that respect, he blazed a new trail in Torah literature. He was very concerned with the encyclopedic nature of Torah literature. Encyclopedias were not really well known at all. The only works that I can think of offhand that were somewhat encyclopedic in nature, before Rav Kasher, was the Pachad Yitzchak of Lamportney, which is t- t- almost completely obsolete today, but also not well organized enough to use. And the Stechemet of Rav Medini, the Stechemet was a book that until fairly recently was rather encyclopedic in nature, but it really couldn't be used because there were no proper indices and the order seems to be very, very strange, to put it mildly. Rav Kasher wanted to put Torah literature in an encyclopedic form. One of the topics that he chose was to show how Gemara should be able to be done in this way. And he called, he published a small volume called Gemara Shlema. And he wanted to show how we could have a Gemara with the variant texts on the page, with commentaries that were not so well publicized, so well disseminated in in one particular Gemara, to show in his image what a Gemara should really look like. Of course, it's a monumental undertaking, and the Bakashir only showed one volume of such a work. He published one volume 
on Masechus Pesachim, and he only did a few pages, the very beginning of the Masechah, to show what could be done. Another area where he was more complete was he published in the Haggadah Shlema. Obviously, the word Shlema interested him to encompass everything. In Haggadah Shlema, it was translated into English. Originally, it was called the Eretz Yisrael Haggadah. In Haggadah Shlema, Rav Kasher wants to show again the variant texts of the, of the Haggadah, as well as the famous commentaries of early Rishonim who he put on the page included in his Agada Shlema. Very important Agada Shlema are the introductions and comments, lengthy comments, made by Rav Kasher himself about the Haggadah. Many of his works on the Haggadah were also later included in the Divrei Menachem and the volumes of Tshuvas that he wrote. Obviously, Pesachim was an issue that interested him, that he dealt with at length, and we have the Gemara Shlema on Pesachim, and we have the Haggadah Shlema. But perhaps the magnum opus of Rav Kasher was none of the above. He decided to print a Chumash, which would be a compendium of all the Midrashic, Halachic and Agadic sources that are extant, some in print and some in manuscript form. And he called this work the Torah Shlema. He began himself, and it's almost mind-boggling to believe that someone could do the work that he did without the use of computers, without the help of modern technology. He simply collected all manuscripts, all texts of Halacha and Agada Medrash that he could find and put it in one volume. He began slowly but surely, printing one volume every few months of the Torah Shlema. The volumes of Reishis are rather thin, but only can cover a few parashas at a time. A few volumes exist on Sefer Breshis. As he developed the system and worked within Shmos Vayikra, he added compendium Miluim to these volumes. Those Miluim are extremely important to Torah scholars, where again, based on manuscripts, based on his own learning, he developed many areas of Halacha, of Machshava, of Agada, that were based upon comments in Torah Shlema. But the Miluim by themselves are extreme work. Some of the Miluim actually took up volumes by themselves. He has a whole essay, well, a lengthy essay, on the different translations, the different Targumim of the Torah, and those Miluim, and of course, the text of Torah Shlema became an indispensable tool for serious Torah scholars. We, unfortunately, do not have the end, we, Rav Kasha was not privileged to finish the Torah Shlema. After his Petira, he passed away in 1983. He was 88 years old. And he had still been working on this Torah Shlema. He finished Vayikra. Since then, some volumes have been published in Bamidbar. His son took over the institute that he founded and continued, but we do not have Sefer Tvarim. Perhaps we'll be privileged that someone will undertake to complete this monumental task of fulfilling 
the dream of Rav Kasher to have Torah Shlema indeed, not just Torah Shlema until Bamidbar, but Torah Shlema including Sefer Dvarim as well. While some of the efforts that I've shown of Rav Kasher seem monumental for one person, there are many other works that he dealt with. For example, he was a student of the Ragachavar. He was very enamored of the approach of the Ragachavar, of the personality of the Ragachavar, and he wrote many works about the Ragachavar. He wrote, he published the Tzafnas Paneach und Chomesh. He began to publish the Ragachavar's Tzafnas Paneach und Shas, and he wrote a book called Mefaneach Tzfunas, where he tries to uncover the secrets of the Ragachavar. Such an amount of work seems mind-boggling in our mind today. I would hope that someday we will be privileged to see someone continue the work of Rav Kasher and finish the Torah Shleimah.